0: Hello and welcome to the Hybrid Coaching Podcast. Today we have uh, Rich Lover on the podcast who is one of Ali's best mates from years and years ago and And, and still now, also Ali's mate from now as well as years and years ago. Um, We talk about lots of things, this is actually one of the, uh, personally one of the podcasts I find the most hilarious to record. Um, We might actually start a competition where if you can point out the bits to us that Correctly that Rich is being sarcastic and which parts he is serious about um, Would be very funny to know your opinions on Um, We talk a little bit about uh, Rich's career From being quite well known in the UK uh, Fitness scene to moving out to coaching celebrities in India Um, We talk about fasting, high volume training with Ali And why Ali loves volume so much uh, Why Rich doesn't love it so much why eating clay is good for you, according to Rich. Um, also, Rich's burgeoning clay business, um, and lots of other hilarious topics. The the main thing you that you might want to listen to is uh, Rich's take on fasting and some of the benefits from that, which is very interesting. Uh, so enjoy the podcast.
1: <laughs> hey, I've got a really good fact for you coming up. Can we get it out? Yeah, let's get. Let's oh, get forget it. it. Okay, let's go. <laughs> okay, ready. India is a se- country in South Asia, straight <laughs> off right.
0: that. might be the most useless fact we've had on the entire... Hey, world. that's
1: not that useless, man.
0: <laughs> that's a terrible fact. That is not up to scratch.
1: Hey, you it didn't tell me about the levels of like, my oh, detail in really? This is a really bad podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Welcome, Rich!
1: Oh... Hi guys (laughs) yeah that was really awkward (laughs) thanks for the warm welcome (laughs) (laughs) I feel quite underappreciated but you know we'll
0: carry on if we're honest mate we're lucky that we've gone ahead with this you've not proved yourself well so far setting up for this podcast has been the most laborious process so far of any (laughs) podcast we've done which is well, terrible I'll at play. following instructions. Ali assures us that he's great at talking about uh, fasting and training, but his ability to click links is severely lacking.
1: I think I think you're giving half the story, to be honest. If you want the full story, I can go into depth.
0: Uh, we can go into the full story after you've given us your fact of the day.
1: Ah, okay. Well, I've got two facts for you. Um the first fact is, I live in India. That's not the facts, by the way. But uh, I have one fact about India. It's a country in South Asia. That's my first fact.
0: For all of you who didn't know.
1: Solid fact. For all the people who weren't aware. And the second fact is, um, you guys might not know, but Snakes and Ladders was originated, came from India.
2: That's
1: the board game.
2: A, uh, that's a good fact. Yeah, I didn't how, know that, how, yeah. Do we, how do we know the evidence?
1: You don't, mate. You take my word
3: for it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ali, fact-check him. <laughs>
2: what do you think was the? Uh, what uh, do you know how <laughs> when, when it was discovered or invented? <laughs> discovered. Imagine discovering <laughs> like, <yes. laughs>
0: Um Just wandering the jungle <laughs> one day. Oh, what's that? It's a boxed board game?
1: I think algebra was um, came from India as well. You know.
3: Are you making this up on the spot? <laughs>
1: No. <laughs> I've got a list of things that came from India. That was. <laughs> Imagine snakes snakes and ladders came from India. Snakes and ladders. Hey, mate, do you know how many snakes are in India? And That's I wonder... what I was
2: thinking. I, mean, I, 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 I was thinking, how many ladders did they have back then? <laughs>
1: Well, the the first few games of Snakes and Ladders was mostly snakes, you see, because
0: <laughs> they had game.
1: limited ladders.
0: <laughs> did, um, did they invent ladders as well?
1: Uh, no, I think that came from a town in uh, Southwest uh, England. It was. Um, I've them. <laughs> uh,
3: Rich, you... what's your um, what's your favourite assembly hymn?
1: um shine jesus shine something like that That oh one, that's a banger that one
2: that sounded like pretty pretty upbeat
1: i, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I want to know where that one goes
0: yeah come on rich back in
2: back
1: in <laughs> man. shine jesus shine Fill this land with the Father's glory. That's a banger. That's a that's a song, my, about that my is my favourite part. I is about how rich
0: is Mothing <laughs> 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 I can't believe
1: you just gave me that, and I remembered one hymn. Like I, <laughs> I have sung it been since so I was good six.
0: at
2: question Yeah, me, yeah. Man. Everyone's good at remembering their favourite hymn. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah.
0: Honestly. Um, it comes quickly. So, Rich, do you want to give our audience and me and Tom, who don't know much about you, actually? a little bit of background on yourself and how you've ended up in a country in South Asia. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I can do. Um, <laughs> so I ended up here because uh, I originally worked for Body Power, which I'm sure you'll all be aware of. Um, I And they were doing, they owned a company called Physically. I don't know if you'll have heard of them. It was kind of like an off-branch Um ran alongside body power and physique elite employed or worked with chris gethin neil hill two trainers and they were actually in india training some of the um indian celebrities some huge guys out here um and because i was working at body power i was kind of uh the owner of body power was always saying to me like oh we need to get you over in india we need to get you training one of the guys and i was just always like no, just no <laughs> chance. Am I going there? And then just Had you heard that all the time. I think strength? he just kept trying. He, he kept trying and he kept going. And then one day, I, I was in Bath at the time, like with Al, and um, this that's how I know Alex, and um, broke up my girlfriend. And it was one of those times. Was like I'm gonna, I just need to get away. And it was the right time to take an opportunity. So. Um, I went to India to train one of the celebrities out here and I kind of just never, well, I did come back, but I never really came back for a good amount of time. So I've been here like four or five years now doing that kind of thing.
2: Just training very high profile people.
1: Yeah, like lots of actors, uh, business people, politicians, that kind of thing. So it's not, it's I, it's not really m- much different from training regular people. All it is is that these people are either on a timeline, like a, a certain date, they have to be in shape or ready for film, or they're just normal people with a lot of money.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Well,
2: um, obviously, like the actual uh, stuff you're going to do with them is pretty much the same as anyone else. But um, how much uh, does the pressure, or did the pressure, initially? Uh, what, what, what was that like when you first got there? It's like, hey, this person's got to be in shape for this date, or you're probably going to have to fly home.
1: Um, I don't, I don't think I ever really thought of it as much pressure, other than like, it's, it's quite hard because they have to buy into what you're doing. That's the hardest thing, Tom. <laughs> so um, <laughs> Sorry, um, I got a bit hot. <laughs> yeah the hardest thing was not really the pressure because it's like up to them they you can't take the pressure like if you're not if they're not in shape it's because they're not doing what you said it's just that's the end of it but they have to buy into what you're doing and then so you have to make a good impression you can't really go you you might go there with a lot of thoughts and feelings about how they should train and you should only be doing it this kind of way but they've got it in their head that they should be just doing curls and they should do sit ups and for instance just for their abs and they don't have a they don't know what anything else. Do you know what I mean? They're quite Mm -hmm. like bro ish, so you've got to really make them buy in if you want to then change how they should train. Does that make sense? Yeah absolutely. Mm -hmm. How
3: did you what was your sort of method for getting people to buy in at the start when you first worked with them?
1: (laughs) Really it was um letting them see you train. You have to look apart in some way mm-hmm. and then you have to sh- train I, I used to do stuff, stuff like train at the same time so show them intensity um, and then try and show them new things but it didn't have to be like brand new for instance like um, if they didn't want to squat I didn't make them squat um, they could leg press so you got to kind of work to what they fit they're comfortable with but one thing I did realise is These guys have a high profile and have a high opinion of themselves and you can easily kind of degrade them by making them feel inferior. They don't like going to failure. That's one thing I realized quite quick. Um, I don't know if if anyone's, uh, you feel that with like general public, but pushing someone to failure and letting them not, and they're not comfortable with that, that was a hard thing with celebrities. Because they're so, I, I kind of related it to, um, in life, they never fail. No one ever tells them, no one ever pushes them to that that brink of like, oh, I can't do it. They're always, everything's done for them. Every food's given to them. The washing's done for them. They're picked up. They have a driver. Everything is done. So there's, there's only one time in the, their life, in the gym, where someone's telling them what to do and pushing them to this brink. And I've seen in so many of the actors, it's just like, A place they never want to, they don't want to go. So trying to accommodate some way of training where they (laughs) don't go to that level much is, was a a difficult thing.
2: Yeah, that is quite tough to be fair. Well, um, did you find that the guys that you could actually push a little bit harder, were they, um, were they easier to get on with or did, or was it like your relationship with them was <clears throat> was better, so they w- were willing to work that hard for you? And for the guys that didn't really want to go to Faye, they, 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 they almost like sort of like just didn't have that sort of like connection with you and didn't just, just almost thought there was another way around it?
1: Mm. No, well, the person I connected with most, like he, <laughs> I can't say, I, I won't say his name, but... He was so afraid of going to failure, but I connected to him most on a personal level. Then I trained like like one of the biggest guys in India, like the biggest guy in India, and he's the hardest working I've, I've been with by far, but I didn't connect to him on a personal level. Mm. He was just there. Bash, he's coming in the gym. He'll just do what you say, bash it out, work his balls off, and then he's out of there. So no connection. But sometimes you need that as a trainer. You just... Like someone's just ready to do what you say, right? And they don't care. Yeah, um, but they are very, they are very touchy about. They all have different personalities. How you should talk to them when you first meet them. Are they going to be prepared for you to really? Can you be authoritarian with them? Uh, do you have to hold back a bit? So, all of these things you have to just work out literally on your first, your first hour with them. Like, what can you do with them?
2: What are they going to accept? So, yeah, that's cool.
0: Just um, <clears throat> to uh, I did, but it was going to be on a new topic. So, yeah, me too. Cool. I was going to say, um, Rich, <coughs> Ali credits you with making him not a bro. True. Um, <laughs> can you explain how you managed to how bro was Ali in the past, <laughs> <laughs> and how did you go about making Ali evidence based?
1: <laughs> hey, do you know what? I'd love to actually hear that answer from him. Um, Maybe it was my influence about who, I don't know, who did I, I, must, I was quite, um, back in those days, I was quite a basher of people, like, mm. um, I, was, I was quite loud in the whole social scene, like, you won't see this from me now, but I was a name in the, in the fitness scene in the UK who would call people out, anyone, and just talk, tell them they're talking bullshit, and I guess Ali was just around me all the time then, to see me do that, I would only say,
2: um, do you know what? Actually, that's quite interesting. Cause I, that's not why, um, Oh, <laughs> like it's obviously not through social media that I, I even met you and it wasn't even no. really for, until like, I mean, I didn't even have Instagram at the time. Really? I only got Instagram because Rich had Instagram. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, well like for a couple of months after I met him, really. Um, I think I might've had it, but actually I never used it. And, um, and so just, uh, like, rich that the actual reason is you always um ask for justification of things so i'd say something and you'd be like why and i'd be like oh because i read it in flex <laughs> <laughs> which obviously is ridiculous right yeah. but like um and, that, and, and that's what when you uh um have like when you're told something um and um that's that. That's where, like, obviously, bro science comes from. It literally is. You are told something by someone who has no real evidence for that thing, but has done it, and it is potentially. It might not even work for them, but has worked for them. In inverted commas, and then you relay that as as, as new fact, and then you just pass mm. that on, and that's how it gets like dished around. And so, I would say something, which would should be like, "Why?" or uh, "Where have you heard that?" and "Why is that true?" And I'd be like, "I don't know." So I said it like once or twice, and was so fucking embarrassed both times, and then. I just, like, kept, from that moment, I kept sort of, like, I would, like, literally have Richard's voice in my head, like, someone would say to me, like, okay, why is that? Or I'd think something was true, and I'd be like, okay, why is that? Why do I think that's true? And I just, like, obviously had, had like, uh, that sort of background from, from uh, like, science, maths and science anyway, um, and then just sort of, like, applied that to fitness, and that that is... So I think we
1: all go through that epiphany, right? Yeah. Everyone goes through an epiphany in fitness where they suddenly start questioning things and they need someone who's going to push that upon them everyone meets someone who's just starts questioning everything and I think when I moved to Bath and met Al I had maybe gone through that or I was very questioning of things and I started training with Al and one of the things we were following was like some guy's fitness plan who was telling us what to do and how to eat and I remember just thinking like what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> like we're just doing some mental shit and it's crazy. You and like what? unless you you're on doing? some kind of magical supplements, you're pretty much gonna die. I died within <laughs> like three weeks. I couldn't recover for shit. I'm telling you. And I was like and we'll go on to it, but I was fasting at the time and and like how as you as you guys will know, he's someone who you can probably chuck his an insane amount of volume at him and he'll, he'll recover a lot better than just, let's like, say, me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we were just that following that. the same stuff, and I was just like, why, Al? Like, why are we doing this? We literally just smashed chess yesterday, and we're doing <laughs> that right now. And and then <laughs> I guess he started to question stuff too, and then we, bond, we bonded over all of this stuff that's crazy, right? So I, I guess that's what happened.
2: Yeah, I think that's a fair summary, to be fair.
0: Do you remember... What exactly you were doing? Programming and teaching well, do, you know, do you
2: know what the actual the actual training wasn't? Um, it was a it was a push pull leg split, uh, and solid. which is savage, right? Uh, <laughs> and then you'd like you deadlift on your pull days, um, but um, it was that it was an insane amount of volume. And it was like <laughs> it was like three days on one day off, three days on, so it was like six sessions a week basically all the time, and you and and on, on, honestly like. There'd be there'd be like there'd be speed work in it. There'd be sets of three, like multiple sets of threes at like ninety plus percent. There'd be um, you'd probably do about eight to twelve sets of bench in a push session. Oof. Then like you do like you do bench, then like three board bench,
1: two board bench, one board bench. You'd, like it
2: was. Crazy
1: <laughs> easy on it back We'd on it. spend forty-five minutes on setting up the uh, like just the bench at the start, right? Like, <laughs> Eight sets, ten sets on this fucking bench with, like, planks of wood on our chest. <laughs> it, um, I'd, it... I'd be fried after eight of them. And then, honestly, we'll got ten more exercises after. There were, like, and, two... was uh,
0: a Christian Timothy programme. No, nah, it was...
2: Uh, so, um, it was... Uh, you guys would not know him, but he's... Um, uh, Josh His name is... Cool guy, he's a doctor, he's fucking so strong. But he's, like, one of the best under-23 powerlifters the UK had ever seen. Like, pulled four, almost 400 kilos, uh, all at under 100, or like around 100.
3: He's a big boy.
2: Um, actually, I'm not sure if they were pulled 400, I think he like pulled like 390. But anyway, like, do you know what I mean? Unbelievable. Um, squatted like, used to fucking, like with 50 kilo plates, not enough room on the room on the bar to, to get his back squat on the bar.
1: true. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, what, what did Josh bench like just unbelievable
1: all I know is when he did any lift the whole gym stopped and watched. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and like jacked and pretty lean as well um yeah we just we were just like which away. is all
1: well and good but like I, look I'm not bashing him I'm just saying that we had he had about 12 12 of us like lifting underneath him mm-hmm. following his the program he set which was all cool and i'm like the, i was this dweeb at like 75 kilograms man like i i was weak and i was just i got battered i got <laughs> absolutely battered.
0: Rick, we've got a video on for once and i I'm su- it's such a shame we can't record it because rich genuinely looks quite sad yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. about it. <laughs> he looks a little bit hurt <laughs>
3: <laughs> How annoying was it that um, Ali could handle all that volume and you were so, so sore? Did that annoy you?
1: I wasn't sore. I wasn't sore. I was past sore. I was like... <laughs> I, I think it took me like three months post-leg like, bath to recover. Like, <laughs> I'm not even joking. I, I went through some severe like pains <laughs> and injuries after that. <laughs>
0: Probably shouldn't laugh. Um, so you mentioned that while trying to deal with this insane amount of volume, you were also fasting quite regularly.
1: Yeah, that was a real bad decision, man. <laughs>
0: um, but so that's actually supposed to be the main topic of this podcast. Um, so let's move on to it. So why were you fasting at the time? And sort of like, can you give us a bit of a background on fasting?
1: Yeah. Um, Like maybe, I guess like a year prior to that, I just, I came across Martin Birkin, right? Actually, I'll tell you a good story. Um, I came, everyone knows who he is, right? Mm Lean Game, this guy. So came across him. I read like every single article on his website in two days or something. And I got in touch with him and I went to Sweden to meet him to have some wine and buffet. We Mm -hmm. ate fucking loads. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, that was so cool and I was just trying to get him to the UK to do um, a, uh, like a conference because um, he wouldn't respond to anyone on the internet No, you could email him, he wouldn't respond you could Facebook him, no one respond so I got a friend in Sweden who I know to find his home number somehow and then to <laughs> ring him and speak in Swedish and just say like who I am from the UK what I'm trying to do so because that happened he was like okay I'm open to speaking to him okay, so, so, so then I flew out to see him so that was, okay, was
0: cool that was cool
1: <laughs> I guess I'm the only person in like the fitness world to have a dinner with him that's, that's pretty cool, cool. Um, that's what about. yeah oh we also I don't know if I'm yeah we smoked weed and did loads of like <laughs> <You're definitely laughs> we had a allowed good time yeah podcast. you can
0: say
2: you, got, you can say whatever you want this podcast <laughs> to be there, mate <laughs>
1: Yeah, so um, that happened, right? So I was like, just kind of heavily into it, doing a lot of reading, um, and then shortly after that, I did a shoe where I got really—I think the leanest I've done—and one just one of the ways <laughs> I did it was not eating until two at two p.m. every day. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest, I think I bought into it, and I did buy into it being. A better way of losing fat than anywhere else and I was like this is great it's magic and I went on a I just went on like a uh, what do you call it telling everyone this is what you need to do so by the time I got to Bath and I was training I was training and fasting at the same time And I, I'd got them both to work fairly well because I, was, I wasn't training so high volume um, I was training sparingly so when I got to Bath, I was like, okay, I'll just do this training with our one. We'll just see how it goes. Like, I can train faster now. And there is an element to um, learning how to train faster. Like, you go for a period of you getting dizzy. You go for a period of not being strong. But you definitely come out the other side, like, as if you can train faster and do the same intensity as before. I think you have to get used to it. But I do remember after, like, a few weeks of training in at this kind of stuff, it was like, I, there's no way I can fast and do this. So, yeah, I wrote quite a lot of articles on it, did lots of research and reading. and I kind of have a different thought process about it right now. Uh,
2: yeah, it is um... – when you, when you do get uh, people to try and train faster initially, people are so averse to even trying it. Yeah. You're like, oh. yeah. like um, just from a uh, calorie control perspective, if you train early in the morning <clears throat> and you feel that you need to eat before you train, it literally just adds another uh, intake of calories to your daily intake, which makes life yeah. a lot harder to, mm. to, to not eat loads more calories. So just from a, um, like a logistical point of view, uh if you can train fasted, if you train early in the morning, it does give you a lot more flexibility later on in the day when you're trying to control calories. And so like yeah. um but you're right, it is generally if you as long as you've had some coffee and stuff and you're like fairly hydrated, which can be the harder thing to do because you've got no solute, um, you should be fine.
3: But yeah, you do do kind of need to get used to it initially. Yeah, well, it's the same as like just training in the more like early in the yeah, morning. True, used to yeah, true, yeah. It takes a little bit of time just for your body to get used to that. And like you say, kind of feel as strong training at that time yeah. as, as later on in the day. And you probably won't ever feel quite as strong just for like, like we talked before about like this swelling in your back first, like mm-hmm. overnight. So like you probably yeah. don't want to pull really heavy deadlifts first thing. But to a certain extent, it, it, you'll just get more used to it and you'll just get better at it, won't you?
1: It's the same as doing, like, when you go keto. Like, when you first go keto, you feel like you have no energy. That's what people say. And you can't train the same intensity. (laughs) I don't
0: think any of us have
3: ever gone keto. Fuck that. Just fell into ketosis that one time. (laughs) (laughs) That is too much effort to do. For almost zero gain. (laughs) Do you want to just give people a, a quick... Overview of what fasting is and different ways that you can apply it, Rich.
1: Yeah, God. Um, <laughs> well, I think I think um, the the first book I read was Eat Stop Eat. Um, I'd advise people to. It's an old book. I'd advise people to read it because it kind of covers everything. It's Brad. It's a guy by Brad Pelon or something. I can't remember his name. Um, yeah. Just search that. But um, he kind of advocates the whole which is done in research a lot more, which is kind of one day in the next day, very, very low calories. So it's kind of like alternate. Um, and if you look at the research and even like up to now, a lot of the research is that method. One day maintenance or even a surplus, next day 500 calories or less. Um, and it's quite easier to control that. Um, but then in terms of like the fitness scene, uh, the, there's the 16:8 method, which is a bit more popular Um, which is kind of like it's not even extreme in any way. When you say fasting, people think, oh, my God, like that sounds extreme. But it's just a period of 16 hours of not eating and eight hours of eating. And most people pick, like, the eight hours from 12 noon to 8 p.m. And, like, it's really simple like that. And um, I think that's the easiest method in terms of fitting it into your day and and in terms of getting used to doing any type of fasting. Because um, if you pick something like alternate day, where you pick where you eat normally, and then the next day you got less than five hundred calories, you're going to go through a big period of struggling. Um, and then on the other side, guys, there's like uh, things like twenty four hours fasting. There's things like three days fasting, up to seven days fasting. Um, I know people have done that type of thing, um, and it's got a lot of, uh, what could you say, taboo around it, like, oh, don't fast for more than 24 hours, 36 hours, you'll lose loads of muscle, um, you'll lose energy and everything, but I haven't personally done anything above 24, but from a lot of people I know who have done stuff like that, it seems like it, they do, uh, it's like an epiph- epiphany for them in terms of regulating their appetite Energy becomes quite constant. Mental state is one that a lot of people speak about. Um, I don't know if you or you guys will know Martin McDonald. He talks about fasting, or he has talked about it a lot in the past. And one thing that he uh, really says about it is that it's insanely good for your mental state. And that's what I found from doing it, actually. is like when I, I would pick the 12-8 method, I'd wake up around 6 a.m., And I'd just have black coffee and water all the way till 2, and I'd eat from 2 till 10. The one thing that I found really, really good was that from 6 a.m. till 2, my mental state was really, really focused. Uh, Hardly any hunger pans, really hydrated, and I would just smash out loads of work in that time. So that's why I think it's quite popular, is because when people start doing it, especially this 16-8 method, um you do start to realize, okay, I actually don't need to eat at this point. Uh, I'm not getting any of these crashes in energy that people say. Um, And you can do without food for quite a long period of time, a lot longer than you would just associate in in normality. So, yeah, that's the kind of ways of doing it. Um, Yeah, what what else can we go over?
2: Well, yeah, like uh, when it comes to... energy throughout uh, like a fasted period people seem mm. pe- people's idea is that like you say like you're going to have a massive crash but the reality is um, your blood glucose is actually going to stay really really uh, controlled throughout that whole period and, and and you should have like a period where, like a feeling that you're feeling fairly normal throughout, of it, throughout it really it's like eating food and then sort of like the postprandial slump after that that makes you feel a, a little bit sluggish anyway. Um, so, so that, yeah. that 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 is like what you would actually expect, but people just assume that they, they they're going I to. I think to you get hunger. used
1: to you. There's an element again of getting used to it, and people are so they're so used to just feeding themselves regularly. As soon as they feel any hunger in particular, um, then then that's what they, that's what's normal to their body. As soon as you try the, like the first time, they just try fasting and not having breakfast. Like it's just common sense. You're going to be hungry, you're going to feel probably intense pain and you'll get some kind of energy dip. Um, and then also there's the fact that when you force your, that upon yourself, when you do eat, you're probably going to eat a lot and then you do feel a dip in energy after that. Um, and I just associate this with it being out of the norm, you know what I mean? Like. As, a, as I say, there's an element of adjusting to it, and I, I, I found that great, one thing that it, I went through before fasting was like, I had, in, um, you could call it IBS, like, really big problems digestion-wise, and it was like I was eating, and I would eat what we could call quote-unquote clean, so I couldn't work it out, I was just trying my best to and I think this is why some people go on to clean eating, right? Is because loads of people nowadays have some form of this IBS. Like we don't really speak about it, but I know for a fact lots of people have these digestion issues, all oh, and bloated and all this. So they're like, Yeah, okay, they go down the clean eating route. And I did that, I guess. And I was just getting cleaner and cleaner. <laughs> Shit, like, <laughs> so this food clean. needs to be even cleaner for me to not go to the toilet. <laughs> and, uh, and it got to a point where I was literally eating some, you know, organics, whatever. And it was, I was, it was going through me, and I was on the toilet, and it was not good. I was going, to, I went to a doctor, and I had one of those cameras like straight on my ass, and. <laughs> and uh, like the, the doctors, n- they just don't really know what they're looking for. They're just looking for um, something really wrong, like a red flag, right? But they don't really know what to say when it comes to IBS. It's like, oh, try a, what's it called? Uh,
2: Podmaps. Eliminating maps and an elimination diet.
1: Yeah, elimination diet. Or like, what's those t- tablets you can get with, like, um, bacterium?
3: Probiotics. Huh? Probiotics.
1: Probiotics, yeah. Yeah, so they, they'll say stuff like that and then eliminate diet and stuff. And I just, I was like, no, this, this is not it, man. Like, <laughs> I, I remember I could eat all this stuff before and suddenly I couldn't. One thing I tried was fasting and just giving my body that rest. And I felt it helped my digestion a lot by just not eating and giving it time. And they, you know, there's, there's stuff like autophagy, which we can go into, um, where your body gets time to uh, regenerate its cells. Yeah. I mean, this happens in normal caloric restriction, right? Mm-hmm. But I just went away from eating regularly and just give my body that rest. And I, it, did, it did work, whether that's me, just me, or mm-hmm. other people would find that as well. Um, yep. I did a few other things at yeah. the same time which you might be interested in. Because one thing I I always say um, to people who have I like this could be interesting for people listening because I guess some of your listeners might have IBS or any digestion problems, but the two things I always put it down to because I am a I was a different person I'm telling you from about a span of six months of doing this stuff, um, I I was a different person digestion wise mentally and everything, um, so I did fasting. And one thing I also did was uh, French green clay. Now that you might so well. not have heard of it, <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm always like hesitant to like tell people about it because it's one of those like
0: Tom just like it's like so everything. Like, like oh take
1: take this herbal thing um, French green clay, French green clay, and look, I I'm just. I was absolutely, and I don't say this stuff lightly. Like I was absolutely amazed. I couldn't fucking believe it. How it, how different I was mentally and digestion-wise after doing this for like a week. And I don't know how I came across it, but at the end of the day, clay and the ingestion of clay has been around for thousands of years, thousands of years. And it's um, you can have, you can buy like. Uh, it's a certain type that you can digest and you put it in water and it's ionized so it's got an electrical charge and um, so what you do is you put it in water, you don't touch it with metal, you get like a wooden spoon, you put it in water and then in the morning you like stir it into the water and then you just drink it um, and then I don't, <laughs> I don't know what it does but it does something as it goes through yeah. <laughs> Um, and that's what I did, and I did it for like four weeks straight. I can't believe this is the first I've ever heard.
0: <laughs>
2: French green clay that is my favourite story ever. Does it have yeah, to be?
0: Will normal clay not?
2: No, it's, got, it's got to be green and French.
1: No, it doesn't need to be. Uh, there's a few different ones I know you can digest, but I just happen, uh, happen to come across French green clay, and you can go on Google right, and you can just. There's quite a lot of research behind it as well. And like, it was used thousands of years ago, years ago by like, um, like tribes and stuff. They put it on like open wounds and stuff. You also um, cut off your still, arm thousands it's... of years ago.
3: <laughs> These leeches huh? as well. <laughs> you also use leeches and cut your arm off.
1: Yeah, but like, there's so much stuff thousands of years ago that that was mental. Um, <laughs> and there's stuff that's still used today, like in India. There's I don't know, food generations, people have passed down concoctions of herbs and stuff, like in India that kind of stuff is popular I guess, yeah. like you got a cold, you have this concoction of herbs and some of it I think, like who the fuck has told you that? <laughs> and then some of it I'm like okay, like give it a go, why not? Um, and, clay, and clay is just one of those things that it sounds quite hippie, like a herbal tea, that kind of thing, but if you look into it, and there's research uh, in medicine about it and stuff, so it, it does something. I don't really yeah. understand how it works. I, I attribute it to it being electronically charged in some way. Um, <laughs> and then I think that's associated with um, like heavy metals and stuff.
3: <laughs>
2: the, the, the thing is, like, um, when it comes to some sort of... Supplement or whatever, whatever like as long as that thing doesn't do any harm and doesn't cost you like a shitload of money or a shitload of time or something, and you think I'm just going to try it, and you're quite and you're fairly minded about it, then that's completely fine, and you can go ahead and do that. And like the reality is, you've not gone and fucking told everyone that French green clay is this excellent thing that you need to need to you absolutely should have to get into your I diet. i no one exactly,
1: exactly right. you guys. I know. Now we're...
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's the first I've heard of it. But like, um. having um like trying if if you've got like a like something whatever the fuck it is (laughs) like ibs is a fucking shit thing to have and Mm -hmm. if you have the digestion problems like you are willing to try anything
0: i am i'm actually going to buy some french (laughs) because (laughs) i get really bad ibs i'm actually going to try it
2: report back but just um like it it is completely fine to try things Mm -hmm. uh but you just got to bear in mind the cost um and if it does work it's it's, it's probably not something to sh- shout sh- sh- from the rooftops, especially if other things have changed alongside that. Like you probably you probably were a lot less stressed at the time as well, when um, when you started uh, fasting, and um, you probably weren't quite so stressed potentially at the time. If I remember, yeah. But the thing is,
1: like stress has a big, I like we all know stress can affect digestion, um, and there's a, there's a huge there's a link between the gut and the brain.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I remember. Um, my situation getting so bad that my the my ability to like think and process was getting worse like it was like degradation of the brain (laughs) at a young age (laughs) i couldn't work it out and like when i started taking this stuff i like within a week i felt a big difference in terms of how well i could think um, so there might be loads of different things at play less stress and whatever um, digestion was improved from fasting as well um, have you read any of the studies on this? huh? have you read any of the studies on this? I have it was a long time ago like can when you... I took it that's when I kind of researched it yeah, before yeah. I bought it um, can you remember well, like, so you that's, have... what, I, that's why I am no I'm I I know that there's not many in terms of um, like its effect on IBS and that type of thing, mm-hmm. but there is um, research on it help it being used on open wounds and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, not the same.
1: <laughs> but it, but it goes into your bloodstream. Like who cares? Like I'm going to start snorting it next time. <laughs> All right, <cool. laughs>
2: Um Obviously, when it when it comes to uh, uh, fasting, like that you might fast for a range of different reasons. So, just from a um, health perspective, what are some of the um, what's some of the evidence around fasting for health benefits as opposed to um,
0: necessary? What are you trying to get me to do? Uh, talking to the microphone. I was looking at it. I know, but it's going really quiet. Far there. <laughs> But I don't want it to go
2: max because then that's what happens when no. that's what happens TMT that. laughs that's perfect, and everyone it blows
1: their eardrums off.
2: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Sorry about that. that guys. Did you get the question, mate?
1: Yeah. So the the thing is, right, and if you keep slightly keep up to date with the research on fasting, I, one of the things that get, got overhyped maybe over the past few years is health when it comes to fasting. Mm-hmm. Now there was a really recent. Study done on, and it looked at everything to do with fasting, um, including health markers, and it was over a year, a year-long period, which was good. So, and one of the things they found, like when they tested a a group of people who did like fasting, uh, a weight loss fasting diet compared to like just a constant caloric, caloric restriction over a year, there were no differences statistically in health markers. So, like, when people quite often say, like, insulin sensitivity will be improved a lot more in fasting, but this this study showed it. What there was no statistical significance over a year. Mm -hmm. So, and it was done on quite a large group of people. So, when when people say, "Oh, what are the health health benefits?" It's like saying, "What are the health benefits of losing weight?" Mm -hmm. Like, it's really that simple. If you lose weight. Or you are overweight, and then you lose weight. It's not really to do with the fasting or how you're doing it. Just losing weight and being a healthy body weight is will improve your health markers, including um, insulin sensitivity. So, yeah, I'm sorry, there is no magic to it.
2: But yeah, but a lot of the um, studies around uh, actually potentially elongating life in with with using fasting is all done in rodents because if you uh, fast a rat for two days that's (laughs) kind of like starving a human for like weeks if you you, you extrapolate their 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 life over 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 the course of their life and so that's where a lot of the improvements in like health or making someone live longer actually stem from and not the studies done in humans where um, if you fast someone like put them on a, a 16 uh, 8 fast or, or, or some sort of like alternate day fast and they lose a lot of weight from that fasting protocol then they probably would have almost certainly got the exact same results shown by that that uh, study over the course of a year um, having lost the same amount of weight in any other calorically restrictive fashion
1: yeah
3: so you meant also rich you, meant, you mentioned mentioned autophasia can you just explain that and explain if fasting does anything for that?
1: Um, well, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to be a doctor. I, like, <laughs> <laughs> There's a process called autophasia. Now, it happens in any kind of caloric restriction as well. And I guess it, you could just say it's like when the body is not uh, processing food or processing nutrients, the cells get time to regenerate. And also, like, we just know that it's just common sense is that cells need to regenerate themselves and if you constantly feed and constantly put in food we don't really get that chance but the body doesn't get as much of a chance so um, doing prolonged fast gives us that time to uh, regenerate um, cells on a micro level but that's why I think in my case it helps with digestion because I, I gave it extended periods when I hadn't ever done that before mm-hmm um so that like but then it's overstated autophagy is something like a selling point for fasting yeah. that oh guys you'll regenerate your cells you will appear younger like even your hair gets to regenerate you will like <laughs> have shinier hair and all this kind of stuff but at the end of the day when you look into it 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 just happens with a in a caloric restriction so yeah it's not it's nothing to really shout home about
3: because it, it like like i said it's it like it's you can't really in your case you can't really like say that was definitely autophagy that could have just been yeah. having a little bit of giving your digestive system a little bit of a break um, yeah which like probably made you feel a lot better but it, like was that truly sort of cell regeneration like potentially not
1: there's probably a lot of things at play when I did that like but there's no way I would say oh I I know what happened. Auto Like all oh, my cells got regenerated, guys.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you look so young in this video, mate. If you could see they the can. video, guys, and saw I'd how young Rich there. looked, which so, is actually <laughs> seventy years old, but we'll include a we'll include a photo of him.
2: It might, this might be quite a hard question to answer, to be fair, mate. But um, based on your you. uh, like reading the research, given someone given given um, someone is already. Uh, fairly lean. Do you think they would potentially have any um, better health outcomes over the course of their life if they ate at maintenance every day forever, um, or they alternate day fasted every day forever? Obviously, a really hard question to answer.
1: I don't, like I, my instinct says that there might be because it's yeah. over such a long period of time and. Yeah I look, I would my instinct is, yeah because it's over such a long period of time but it's not really possible to ever test mm-hmm. and what we're testing is what is someone's life going to work? Well, you can never test yeah. whether someone would have died sooner <laughs> yeah But, but. <laughs> um, I like it's hard I it's really hard to say because I my first kind of answer is always there's no magic to this guys don't think you're going to ex- uh, Extend your life and the health markers are going to improve dramatically. If you just do a normal diet, then it'll be the same. But we're talking over long, long, long periods of time. I do think there might be some merit to doing it every now and then.
2: Yeah. I think the reality is, like, we did evolve uh, having pretty long extended periods of fasting. Um, Yeah. And, I mean, potentially that is something that could could be better. like it, it, it has shown to be beneficial in some cases uh, especially in like uh, like in, in rodents when they like, it fast for long periods it, it, it is something that's positive but that doesn't necessarily correlate to humans and like you say like it, it was almost it would be impossible to, to, to ever test that um, the, the, the fundamental thing is you just like by maintaining a lean body weight you are doing yeah. your the, the, probably the absolute best job that you can. For being as healthful as possible. Um and, and and that's the bottom line really. Fasting is like an unbelievable way of restricting calories in a world where calories are so readily available and most people overeat like that, given given the chance, and, and, and having some sort of like time restricted feeding, whether that's an alternate day or a 16-8 or whatever it is, does give you a a paradigm to stick. To a much easier set of uh to, to to not overeat essentially which allows you to a stay lean and b not get fatter which is very very helpful
3: yeah i think like like you said it gives people a constraint to to live by and it's mm-hmm. like like you say, where if for example you're, like you like you'd normally have breakfast and then get hungry through the morning if you just like no i'm not going to eat in that time it's kind of like, like there's no you you just kind of eliminate that option for yourself and same if you like you tend to overeat in the evening. And if you're like, right, I'm gonna do 12-8, not gonna eat anything after eight, it's like all those snacks that you potentially eat mm-hmm. after eight o'clock are now out. Um, and, and, and like you, you said earlier, Rich, I think it's like doing a little bit of fasting for people is, is a great way to almost just reset like yeah. when you actually think you're hungry mm-hmm. um, and when you th- like actually need food. Um, yeah, it, it, it works really nice with most people's working day as well. Like most people really stressed in the morning don't worry about eating until lunchtime, mm-hmm. assuming you can go to that point without just eating loads of cake. Yes.
2: Um,
3: and then have most of your calories in the afternoon and evening when you've got probably a little bit more time and it'll be a bit more social to have them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think some people say, like like with any diet, everyone says, oh, bear in mind this isn't for everyone. It doesn't work with everyone. Because some people say, oh, I can't wait because at 12 o'clock then I'll just... Eat loads because I'm so hungry, but I mean there are in any diet you've, we've got to use common sense, right? You can't just just because we're fasting doesn't mean we can't we shouldn't control our eating when we can eat. So people kind of use an excuse, oh no, I couldn't do that because they're not prepared to just go through a bit of getting used to it. For instance, so I I do really think it's one of those um, ways of restricting yourself that could potentially work for almost most personalities Mm -hmm. you know because people say something like low carb is something that's quite individualistic like okay it might not work with everyone or they don't really feel great on it or whatever but fasting I really think it's like one of those things that if you just maybe it would work on nearly everyone I can't see it being something that doesn't work with some people, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Is there any, is there any times specifically that you'd probably not recommend people do fasting? (laughs)
1: Um, when
3: they're
0: following ridiculously high volume training.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just going to put myself, shoot myself, shoot myself on the foot. Like I, I don't think it's great for building muscle, but you could say it's like not optimal, right? And we have this idea of what optimal is for muscle gain. And one of the factors would be to, like, okay, let's at least have a feeding of protein every three or four hours or something. In my case, when I was doing it, I definitely wasn't following that. Um, I was not following the optimized way of muscle building. And the incredible high volume that I was doing at the time would have been better suited to someone who was having breakfast. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, if, and if you're listening and you can't like muscle building, I would say it's not the best thing to do. Um, but the reality is you
2: could just, uh, if you want to still save most of your calories for later in the day, you can just put a protein feeding of whey in um, in the morning or at like, let's say you get up at 6, have some whey at like 6.30, have some more whey at like 10.00. And then you've done your the utmost for ensuring you're building as much muscle as possible, but then um, you
3: should have your normal food afterwards, yeah or you or you could okay. just like it, it's taken it as an absolute like if you're gonna do fasting, you have to stick to sixteen mm-hmm. every day it's like if you have some high volume training days, you maybe eat a bit more on those days and don't follow fasting and then later on in the week if you've got some slightly lower volume days then. Mm-hmm do like fast on those days it's like you you don't have to take fasting as as an absolute which obviously a lot of people do with any kind of nutritional protocol yeah
1: absolutely yeah it's flexible at the end Mm -hmm. of the day like you can there's so many ways of doing it and it can change every day as you say like you can if you're training in the morning you can like some people uh put their uh, eating window towards the start of the day and they'll finish eating at like five like that sounds quite hard to do and not eat after that, but like it's a way of doing it if you would train in the morning for instance.
3: Yeah. That sounds like I'd eat much less calories if I did that. <laughs> yeah. But I, I would I
1: <laughs>
2: used to I would have used to that would be absolutely impossible for me to do. But now I yeah. I could quite easily, happily do that. Yeah. Like yeah. Last, last night at five and then sort of go to bed at eight. Like I'd, I'd, be, I'd have no issue with doing that anymore but like b- before when I went to, if, if I was to go to bed at like 10 that would, I'd find that basically impossible because I'd have like two hours where all, all I'd want to do is just eat <laughs> <laughs> continuously
1: um, but yeah, yeah, I yeah. wish people could um, feel the heat that you guys are feeling right now on this I'm video you so <laughs> look like you're overheating like hell yeah.
0: we are definitely reaching the MRP for <laughs> under a table with a blanket <laughs> even in the UK at the moment you're like
1: you're all slowly <laughs> creeping backwards <laughs>
0: I've rolled out of the blanket completely numerous occasions.
1: Um I don't know why you don't just pick the du- like the duvet up and just like forget about it for the next No,
0: that, five, um, that that's the main sound insulation. Otherwise we're just under a table, mate.
3: <laughs> yeah, there's no point being under the table then. <laughs> we would just sit down. Our sound fair engineer
2: enough. was very specific <laughs> about keeping the duvet down forever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> Um, but, yeah, I don't think there's much more you can go into fasting other than what we've said. Um, I, I am interested still in Martin Birkin's um, ways of doing things. Um, if you follow him, and it, this might go a bit off fasting because I'm interested in what he's doing now is he fasts, but how he trains. Um, I don't know if you guys follow him on... I follow um, him to be fair, but... Instagram and stuff but he's insanely strong and he only trains 3 times a week yes. and he's jacked Fucking as hell um, so he,
2: jacked. Constantly, he, he, he
1: constantly he constantly kind of goes against the grain of people saying you need to train like consistently
2: his volume is he's, so he's, low
1: really yeah and he's he's basically saying like look how low my volume is and you guys are there saying you have to do this many sets like, he goes at Brad Schoenfeld all the time. Hmm. so, And it's quite interesting, because I've always thought, like, look, just look at him. Look what he lifts, and, like, there's no way you could say he could have optimised his muscle building process better, because he's maxed out his, whatever you could say, is his natural ability. In a, a good amount of time, he only trains three times a week.
2: Yeah, but you couldn't, I mean... You could just say he's got like a unbelievably um natural gift for building as much tissue as possible without doing much volume like you could, you, it's, hard, it's hard
1: to extrapolate that and go okay this is this is everything. you could say that but then you, you just like if you look at him like for instance let's take Ali. you just have to look at him when he was a in junior school he was still jacked, so who cares like <laughs> you could have just looked at away and you were still jacked then Martin for instance he will you look at him in his early years and he's like overweight, skinny and everything. Um, And he's always been about the whole just train your ass off to failure, multiple sets to complete failure three times a week. Advocates it for dieting and muscle building. And I've always been like, yeah, for dieting maybe, like in terms of retention of muscle mass and recovery three times a week to failure. Sounds about right. But then muscle gain now, surely for optimization, like we want to train, train more and more sets and stuff and exercises. But if he got down to like real sing, single digit body fats, like in terms of on stage, and compared his like muscle building or his shape to like Alberto Nunes, for instance, who is all about the variety of exercises and hitting muscle groups from different angles, I'd be, I'd love to see the difference. Yeah, I'd love like to see that. Because you know when people talk about, oh, like, like, like let's try and hit the lower lats, <laughs> you know, with certain exercises, yeah. and and they'll the real serious, and they'll do certain angles and stuff, <laughs> and there is research to show different angles of different person, all this will, um, muscle fibers in a different region will get activated more, and then you look at someone like Martin, it's like, yeah, but look at his lower lats, and he's only ever done chin-ups. Do you know what I mean? Same with his like rear delts. To be fair though,
2: he does he does um he does horizontally row. He horizontally rows and vertically pulls.
1: Yeah, so he just does chins and horizontal rows, yeah. but like nothing else. Whereas someone like a bodybuilder will do twelve different fucking rows and shit. But just just
2: from like a, a lap lat perspective, like pulling in a vertical fashion and a horizon- and a, and, a, and, a, and a actually horizontal fashion, there's just not really much more lap recruitment you can get out of those two things. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but you go and go and speak to a pro yeah, bodybuilder yeah. and do a back workout with him. Like you'll be there forever. 20, <laughs> tw- Twenty-eight sets. <laughs> Fucking hell! All oh, lats. Too many. Loads <laughs> of no, different rows. Like so. And back yeah. as well. Back, I mean, we, we all back. we all agree it's a on the like, massive array of muscles.
3: <laughs> I love it when people say my back muscle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> training my back I'm muscle training today. today. <laughs> That's a lot. of...
2: What do you mean? Which one? <laughs> yeah. Which part of it? It's quite funny. Um, I think that pretty much um, covers it all, mate. Yeah, mate.
1: Yeah, ma'am. See you later. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, um, what do you think? If anything, people might think the, uh, the the main takeaway points from this podcast could be sort of if there's anything on fasting that you wanted to convey.
1: I I think people will just go and research French green clay, to be honest. (laughs) No, that is
0: all that's going to happen, to be honest. So when are you you starting to sell it again? Or is it already available on your site?
1: Uh, Well, I won't give it out details. I'll DM you, bro. (laughs) But, yeah, honestly, everyone just have a look at it. And then I want loads of people to DM me saying it's absolute bullshit, bro, what you're talking about.
0: (laughs) Um so if they're interested in French green clay or potentially fasting, where can people
1: find you Rich? Well in terms of finding French Green Clay <laughs> <I don't... laughs> You really love this stuff, don't you? <laughs> So, guys, just, we'll just forget that everyone's laughing. So if you want to find French green clay, go to Google and search French green clay. Ah. No, actually, you can DM me if you want. And <laughs> Straight just like one little story to finish. I first got when I was first in the fitness scene, I joined the BTN Academy. You all know this? Yeah. (laughs) I was the first batch of BTN Academy. So one thing I told them all, everyone in that in that uh, cohort, everyone buy French green clay. It's fucking great. Everyone bought it, and nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's an excellent story.
0: So yeah, the
2: VCN Academy. What an academy! <laughs> so if,
0: yeah, if they I would did a, want
2: to slide a, into your not doing it. that one. But. <laughs>
1: Hey, you should all join my academy, the French Green Clay Academy.
0: <laughs> When's um, if people way? want to join the French Green Clay Academy, uh, what's I your... think I'm gonna get sign up. Just, just give us your Instagram handle, and then we're gonna get rid of you. All right, mate? <laughs>
1: hey, when you guys do like any of your handstand, um, like in person meetups, can I come along and sample the French <laughs> Green Clay? Football?
0: Absolutely, but only if you tell us your Instagram handle.
1: For sure, my uh, Instagram handle. Do you need it? Yeah.
3: <laughs> do you need well, it? People, people, won't be able to DM you otherwise about the French Greek clay.
1: Oh yeah, right. I'll just, I'll just warn people because if you, if you follow me on like Instagram, um, I just speak in Hindi. Like, I, you won't understand anything I'm doing. But my handle, is, my uh, handle is I am Richard G.
2: But um, they might learn some Hindi soon. Yeah.
1: If you I want know, to learn know, how to speak know, Baha'i like Baha'i language, follow me.
2: The, is this right, Rich? Baha'i? Baha'i.
1: Yeah, yeah, you've got it. You've got it. Baha'i. But you can't say it. You can't say it as if it's two words, man. You have to, like, merge them. Go on, then. All right, everyone give it a go. I want one from each of you.
2: Go on, give us a demo first. Yeah, give us a demo, mate.
1: Okay. The term, the word for brother brother is Baha'i. <laughs>
0: Bahai. Bahai. Bahai.
1: Die what are you doing? Bahai. I reckon, I reckon Tom won that one, all right?
0: Tom won. Uh, No way. Tom. Hi, Your free bye. sample of French
3: replay <laughs> is in the post. Thanks very uh, much, mate. Thank you very, very for much
2: for
1: watching. Thanks, Richard. Love you, mate. Hi much. Bye, bye. <laughs> bye, bye. <laughs>